Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Janus v. American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, Council 31. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Argued February 26, 2018. Decided June 27, 2018. Illinois law permits public employees to unionize. If a majority of the employees in a bargaining unit vote to be represented by a union, that union is designated as the exclusive representative of all the employees, even those who do not join. Only the union may engage in collective bargaining. Individual employees may not be represented by another agent or negotiate directly with their employer. Non-members are required to pay what is generally called an agency fee, that is, a percentage of the full union dues. Under Abood versus Detroit Board of Education, this fee may cover union expenditures attributable to those activities germane to the union's collective bargaining activities, chargeable expenditures, but may not cover the union's political and ideolo ideological projects non-chargeable expenditures. The union sets the agency fee annually and then sends non-members a notice explaining the basis for the fee and the breakdown of expenditures. Here it was 78.06% of full union dues. Petitioner Mark Janis is a state employee whose unit is represented by a public sector union, one of the respondents. He refused to join the union because he opposes many of its positions, including those taken in collective bargaining. Illinois' governor, similarly opposed to many of these positions, filed suit challenging the constitutionality of the state law authorizing agency fees. The state attorney general, another respondent, intervened to defend the law, while Janice moved to intervene on the governor's side. The district court dismissed the governor's challenge for lack of standing, but it simultaneously allowed Janus to file his own complaint, challenging the constitutionality of agency fees. The district court granted respondents' motion to dismiss on the ground that the claim was foreclosed by Abood. The Seventh Circuit confirmed. The Supreme Court held, The district court had jurisdiction over petitioner's suit. Petitioner was undisputedly injured, in fact, by Illinois' agency fee scheme, and his injuries can be redressed by a favorable court decision. For jurisdictional purposes, the court permissibly treated his amended complaint in intervention as the operative complaint in a new lawsuit. See United States XREL Texas Portland Cement Co. v. McCord. The state's extraction of agency fees from non-consenting public sector employees violates the First Amendment. Abood erred in concluding otherwise, and stare decisis cannot support it. Abood is therefore overruled. Abood's holding is inconsistent with standard First Amendment principles. Forcing free and independent individuals to endorse ideas they find objectionable raises serious First Amendment concerns. West Virginia Board of Education versus Barnett. That includes 
compelling a person to subsidize the speech of other private speakers. Knox versus service employees. In Knox and Harris versus Quinn, uh, in Knox and Harris versus Quinn, the court applied an exacting scrutiny standard in judging the constitutionality of agency fees rather than the more traditional strict scrutiny. Even under the more permissive standard, Illinois' scheme cannot survive. Neither of Abood's two justifications for agency fees passes muster under the standard. First, agency fees cannot be upheld on the grounds that they promote an interest in labor peace. The Abood court's fears of conflict and disruption if employees were represented by more than one union have proven to be unfounded. Exclusive representation of all the employees in a unit and the exaction of agency fees are not inextricably linked. To the contrary, in the federal government and the 28 states with laws prohibiting agency fees, millions of public employees are represented by unions that effectively serve as the exclusive representatives of all employees. Whatever may have been the case 41 years ago when Abood was decided, it is thus now undeniable that labor peace can readily be achieved through less restrictive means than the assessment of agency fees. Second, avoiding the risk of free riders, see Abood, is not a compelling state interest. Free rider arguments are generally insufficient to overcome First Amendment objections, see Knox. And the statutory requirement that unions represent members and non-members alike does not justify different treatment. As is evident in non-agency fee jurisdictions, unions are quite willing to represent non-members in the absence of agency fees, and their duty of fair representation is a necessary concomitant of the authority that a union seeks when it chooses to be the exclusive representation representative. In any event, states can avoid free riders through less restrictive means than the imposition of agency fees. Respondents' alternative justifications for Abood are similarly unavailing. The union claims that Abood is supported by the First Amendment's original meaning, but neither founding-era evidence nor dictum in Connick v. Myers supports the view that the First Amendment was originally understood to allow states to force public employees to subsidize private third party. If anything, the opposite is true. Nor does Pickering versus Board of Education of Township High School District 205, Will City, provide a basis for Abood. Abood was not based on Pickering, and for good reasons. First, Pickering's framework was developed for use in cases involving one's employee's speech and its impact on that employee's public responsibilities. United States versus Treasury employees. While Abood and other agency fee cases involve a blanket requirement that all employees subsidize private speech with which they may not agree. Second, Pickering's framework was designed to determine whether a public employee's speech interferes with the effective operation of a government office, not what happens when the government compels speech or speech subsidies in support of third parties. Third, 
the categorization schemes of Pickering and Abood do not line up. For example, under Abood, non-members cannot be charged for speech that concerns political or ideological issues, but under Pickering, an employee's free speech interests on such issues could be overcome if outweighed by the employer's interests. Even under some form of Pickering, Illinois' agency fee arrangement would not survive. Respondents compare union speech in collective bargaining and grievance proceedings to speech pursuant to an employee's official duties, Garcietti versus Cabellos, which the state may require of its employees. But in those situations, the employee's words are really the words of the employer, whereas here the union is speaking on behalf of its employees. Garcietti, therefore, does not apply. Nor does the union speech at issue cover only matters of private concern, which the state may also generally regulate under Pickering. To the contrary, union speech covers critically important and public matters, such as the state's budget crisis, taxes, and collective bargaining issues related to education, child welfare, health care, and minority rights. The government's proffered interests must therefore justify the heavy burden of agency fees on non-members' First Amendment interests, they do not. The state interests asserted in Abood promoting labor, peace, and avoiding free riders clearly do not, as explained earlier. And the new interests asserted in Harris and here, bargaining with an adequately funded agent and improving the efficiency of the workforce, do not suffice either. Experience shows that unions can be effective even without agency fees. Stare decisis does not require re retention of a boot. An analysis of several important factors that should be taken into account in deciding whether to overrule a past decision supports this conclusion. A boot was poorly reasoned, and those arguing for retaining it have recast its reasoning, which further undermines its stare decisis effect. See Citizens United. Abood relied on railway employees versus Hansen and machinists versus street, both of which involved private sector collective bargaining agreements where the government merely authorized agency fees. Abood did not appreciate the very different First Amendment question that arises when a state requires its employees to pay agency fees. Abood also judged the constitutionality of public sector agency fees using Hansen's differential standard, which is inappropriate in deciding free speech issues. Nor did Abood take into account the difference between the effects of agency fees in public and private sector collective bargaining, anticipate administrative problems with classifying union expenses as chargeable or non-chargeable, foresee practical problems faced by non-members wishing to challenge those decisions, or understand the inherently potential nature or inherently political nature of public sector bargaining. Haboud's lack of workability also weighs against it. Its line between chargeable and non-chargeable expenditures has proved to be impossible to draw with precision, as even respondents recognize. See Leinart versus Ferris Faculty Association. 
What is more, a non-member objecting to union chargeability determinations will have much trouble determining the accuracy of the union's reported expenditures, which are often expressed in extremely broad and vague terms. Developments since Abood, both factual and legal, have eroded the decision's underpinnings and left an outlier among the court's First Amendment cases. United States v. Gaudin. Abood relied on an assumption that the principle of exclusive representation in the public sector is dependent on a union or agency shop, Harris, but experience has shown otherwise. It was also decided when public sector unionism was a relatively new phenomenon. Today, however, public sector union membership has surpassed that in the private sector. And that ascendancy corresponds with a parallel increase in public spending. Abood is also an anomaly in the court's First Amendment jurisprudence, where exacting scrutiny, if not a more demanding standard, generally applies. Overruling Abood will also end the oddity of allowing public employers to compel union support, which is not supported by any tradition, but not to compel party support, which is supported by tradition. See Elrod versus Burns. Reliance on Abood does not carry decisive weight. The uncertain status of Abood, known to unions for years, the lack of clarity it provides, the short-term nature of collective bargaining agreements, and the ability of unions to protect themselves if an agency fee provision was crucial to its bargaining or bargain undermine the force of reliance. For these reasons, state and public sector unions may no longer extract agency fees from non-consenting employees. The First Amendment is violated when money is taken from non-consenting employees for public sector union. Employees must choose to support the union before anything is taken from them. Accordingly, neither an agency fee nor any other form of payment to public sector union may be deducted from an employee, nor may any other attempt be made to collect such a payment, unless the employee affirmatively consents to pay. The decision is reversed and remanded. Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Kennedy, Thomas, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion. Justice Kagan filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, and Sotomayor joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to uh, join in a discussion on this or any of the other Supreme Court cases, please find us at facebook.com slash slip. No spaces.